opening reading to the 48th chapter of Isaiah, chapter of exhortation to obedience, you know, and no matter where the word or what it's coming from, it says in New Testament, be submissive to one another. You know, we can listen at one another sometime, and if we would obey, not in a sense of a whatever, however you want to serve out, look at the obedience or whatever, but sometimes you need to take advice or words from others and listen and follow, and that's what I was saying about the home remedies that was offered to me for both individuals, and I feel a little bit better this morning. It takes time. My son was talking about to. It takes a few days to regenerate, you know, to mm-hmm. to gain the electrolytes back or whatever. And I was studying this chapter in, in conjunction with that. I titled this morning's message, Restoration of the Regenerated Reconciled Man. And this chapter being on exhortation to obedience and Christ being sent to the Gentiles, we see Christ again in this chapter of Isaiah here is Christ in the Old Testament. We have an example of the Holy Trinity here in this chapter. And that when Christ speaks here, when the when the incarnate, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ is, is talking here, it's of a millennial reign. It, it's of that shepherd that David talked about in Psalm 123 about the shepherd he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that's that we had talked about it's it's his namesake in this chapter or earlier in a thing. So let, let's read that whole chapter and keep that chapter in mind while I go over the restoration or that rejuvenation that we need, you know, because the expectation and thing that I'm looking at is as we grow older and grow closer, I, I think about when I, we were staying on Ellum Grove and, and you stayed right across the street from us. You and your family stayed right across the street from us and how we would be out at Anna T. Jordan or whatever and hunting animals, frogs and things at night for the science class or whatever and playing basketball over at Hardin Elementary or whatever. All of these things... I think about. Yes. I, I think about, and it's can you get that back again? Can you get all of that back again? Because the God we serve, He gives us an expectation of a changed life, of a life that these old bodies won't be the bodies that we have now that he'll give us a new body, that he's making a new creation, bodies that don't weigh out to that we get to the point if we could have a change of mind. Mm, yes. If we could start thinking the way we think now, if we could have thought that way from the beginning. And, and I think in this, this exhortation to obedience, we see in his words here, let, let's read it. It says, Hear ye this, O house of Jacob which are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in righteousness. For they call themselves of the holy city 
and stay themselves upon the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did them suddenly, and they came to pass, because I knew that thou art obstinate. That word obstinate is there, and it's a rebelliousness, it's a stubbornness within, and he says, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee, lest thou shouldest say my idol had done them, and my graven image and my molden image had commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all of this, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They are created now and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou shouldest say, Behold, I knew them. Yea, thou heardest not, yea, thou knewest not. Yea, from that time that thine ear was open, for I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. For my name's sake, For my name's sake will I defer my anger, and for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut thee off not. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another? Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel my call. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Mine hand also had laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand had spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. All ye assemble yourselves and hear. Which among them had declared these things? The Lord had loved him. He will do this his pleasure on O Babylon, and his arms shall be on the Chaldeans. I even I have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I, and now the Lord God and his spirit had sent me. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. O oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thine righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring, offspring of thy bowels, like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye out from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing, declare ye, tell ye the Lord had redeemed his servant Jacob, and they thirst not when he led them through the desert. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. 
He claved the rock also, and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Therein reads the word that we'll go over this morning. And I had broke that down into a couple of different teachings and lessons. The first was that he was saving us for his namesake. That was a remnant of the people that he was saving for his namesake. And we kind of think of Israel coming out of the wilderness when only of, of out of all the people, Joshua and Caleb was left. Of the millions that had came out of Egypt, they endured the wilderness. As we get older, and I was reminiscing about our times and our youth or whatever, and we think of our brothers and sisters and friends and different people that had went on and had made it through this wilderness journey. We'd look back to the number of brothers that I had, had that whittled down. You know, I have two brothers remaining, nine a sister, and the journey had begun. Seven of us, and seven boys and one girl. Was it Donnery? And we get to now where sometime our mind fades. You know, I have had two sisters that died in infancy. And uh, we start thinking about the Lord. And he, he was saying from our youth, we had been rebellious and an obstinate people. A people that had been fighting against God or struggling in the wrong way. And from rebels to regenerate it, restored, reconcile people to God. Not, not all of us. Uh, uh, be, uh, will be restored. Not all of us will be regenerated. So he's exhorting those to obedience to a certain way of life that he himself had chosen from the foundations of the world. And he had put in us by faith, by faith, by the hearing of the word of faith, an expectation and a hope in him and in his word and his promises. And that's fallen on us in this latter time, in this latter generation, that that's why this was written. The Old Testament was written for our admonition. Yes. It was written so we would see that there'll, there'll be people in this church age, in the church, just like it was in Israel. Judah was the one, now it's the city called by its name. Israel is gone. You remember, they, they were the lost tribes. They, they are abusing, they're going into idolatry and all of the things that, that name is gone. He says Jacob, at the end he calls him Jacob because when he calls him Jacob, that's the supplanter. That's who they once were. We, we have to look at, we were all rebels, and if we keep looking at ourselves and the humbleness in your voice when you're talking and when you're thinking about, you know, how, as you said, you hug your wife and everything, we start, as we reminisce and see how insignificant and rebellious and obstinate we are and that Christ, our Redeemer, he calls him, he says, our Redeemer. Now we start to get a picture of what is happening or what had happened. We had a goel, someone who reached down and saved us, yes. 
who came into our lives and awaken us, quicken us, and, and start to make us alive. So the reason for that is that that's what he had begun in the beginning was making man in his image and his likeness. But we went astray. He says, I went astray before he was afflicted. You see, that, that's why we are being afflicted in this modern day Babylon, which is the world. Just like Babylon then, a final rescue or deliverance, we see where he picked a pagan king, Cyrus, to deliver us in righteousness. He said he was going to uphold us, uphold him by his mighty right hand and in righteousness. And we see where Cyrus made it available for anyone that, any of the Jewish people, any of the people that wanted to leave, because there's always a mixed multitude. There's always those that see God's people and be as Ruth was, want that that to become their God. He says, she when she was leaving, she says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And he starts to quicken this. And so we see it's a process that salvation is a process where he saves his people. Where he brings his people out. You could hear him calling them out of Egypt just as he's calling us out of Babylon. He's calling us out of Babylon. As we hear the word of God and Without some days we miss, and uh, I, I hope that we get blood in. Uh, he's so men unto us because he talks in here about our seed. If we go in the 18th verse, he says, If thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thine peace been as a river, and thine righteousness as the ways of the sea. Thine seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. And his name should not have been cut off nor destroyed before you. But our children, if if I'd have lived a little bit differently, if I'd have been able to set a better, better example for my sons and daughters, if I could have did just more better and brought them and trained them up in the Lord the way I should have, I feel deficient in all of these areas. And once you start feeling that deficiency and go toward God, he, what he's doing is he's creating a new man. He's writing those laws upon our hearts, those commandments that we should have followed because if we'd have followed his commandments and his word, he says our peace would have flown, flowed, flowed like a river. In other words, a consistent Peace, a non-ending peace. And that's what we're looking at as we're getting older now. The peace of God that exceeds all of our understanding or comprehension is such a peace that when our ways, when that obedience to him comes, when that obedience is there, walking in his ways, he'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. Now, that, now, that's a peace that the world can't give you because we see a world in turmoil, a world that uh, some of the things that's happened in the news and some of the things we're seeing, we've stopped even talking about those things in, in a way because it's just no hope for the world. 
It's no hope for the world. We see why Jesus said that this world is passing away. And that he talks about a new heaven and a new earth and a new world. A new world order. Because if we look at law and order, if we look at the people, at the things that's going on in life, there's no line of demarcation between what that is holy and that which is not holy. It is so bled into the church that God has to act. God has to act and God is acting. Those who are chosen, we realize that this Redeemer, this Redeemer is doing a work among us and that it's such a great work. It's a catastrophic work. And that, thank God, that he's quickening some of us. We're being regenerated. We're being rejuvenated. And as that quickening comes, we pray for one another. We're praying and offering exhortation to one another to follow the word of God. I was telling you when I was talking to Brother Parker the other day, and before we left, he said, well, let, let's pr- let me pray for you. Let's pray together here on the phone. See, that's the spirit that John the Baptist had. That's the spirit that God said that would come into the world, that restores all things. When he says that all things be restored, what are the all things that he's talking about? Well, all means all. It says what the original Elijah did. When God converts us, we start proclaiming his word, preaching and teaching his word, evangelizing the world. And that's what we're looking for, is for that to come upon us, that spirit from God, because he's poured out his spirit upon us. And he said that our sons and daughters would prophesy and, and dream, dream, and what the old men and the young men would do. And as we study God's word, this is just too rich. It's it's too much understanding in it for the uh, novice to understand because it takes studying God's word and continuing in God's word because it takes the whole role. In other words, from Genesis to Revelation, you have to be fully committed to God, and that requires coming out of Babylon. That requires a repentance from this world and the things of this world, a dying to this world. If you so attach to this world, you'll be like those that's inclusive in the church uh, in Israel, where it says here, those that uh, make mention of the name of the Lord, but not in truth. In other words, they've lost or left their first love they still have that name, the church. They're still calling themselves the church, but they're not fully committed unto God. They're not fully committed to his ways, and so they're being desensitized by what's going on. When he says, let your heart be not troubled, their hearts are troubled. There is no peace for the wicked, it says. But our peace should be ever-growing And our expectation and hope of regeneration should be ever-growing. We should be looking for this restoration from the Lord. Verse 16 says, Come ye near unto me. Hear this, 
I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. That's the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ speaking. We see there the Trinity. It says, now the Lord God. In other words, now God the Father and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, had sent me, who was sent from heaven. We see this triune God at the birth of Je- the baptism of Jesus Christ when he descended on him as a dove. The son was sent, the son was given unto the world to be a light unto the Gentiles. So we see here a mission that the Messiah has and it's typed and shattered right here in Cyrus being a Gentile king, a pagan king that God was upholding in righteousness. Symbolic of his spirit, of his past, of the path of righteousness. In Psalm he says, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. He restored my soul. Once we start getting this restoration from the spirit, that writes his laws upon our hearts, we obedient, walk in obedience by faith because he has begun something in our lives. He speaks twice of creation in here. He creating us anew. We don't think the same way we used to think. There's an inner man that's being developed and there's an old man that's passing away. You have to die to self. You have to die to this virus that that we've been infected with. And my body, as as the cold and the virus is breaking loose, there's a new man trying to get out that's going to rejuvenate me. And same way with us. As we're purged in the furnace of affliction. Go here to... Verse 10, it says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. As we come through this world, as we walk in Babylon, he purges hatred hatred, and resentment out of us. He purges all of these things out of us and that that is destroying us and causing us <coughs> not to be able to follow him. All of this rebelliousness because it said we had iron sinews. Our neck was iron and it was stubborn. We have to die to our ways, what we used to be, what we were taught, what we had learned because we were shaping an iniquity. That's why we begin to understand when he says, he said, we must hate mother, father, and sister, and brother. Even our own lives. Even our own lives. We hate what we once was. We hate these things that we used to didn't know that was causing death in us. The things wherein we were lost. And now we live again because we're dying to self. We're slowly being recreated, regenerated in Christ Jesus. As we're being regenerated in Christ Jesus, as we're being strengthened in Christ Jesus, 
that renewing comes as when as we get over sickness or whatever, sometimes it comes gradually. It comes by us seeing things around of us dying, but we have to be reconciled to God's word. In other words, as that die out, as the furniture in our house is being taken away, we have to restore it with something new. We have to restore it with things brought out of the treasures of God's word, of obedience to his word, of a walk by faith, of a continuing in his word. We have to be reconciled to God. You you remember I told you forgiveness is is great and we all should be forgiven. We all should be forgiven. But sometimes we could forgive without having reconciliation take place. Now, reconciliation is, is coming back. And that's what God, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. We must be brought back into to the unity of being at one with God. In other words, we have to be obedient to his word for this peace to truly flow, for prosperity to truly flow. We must, have, as we put, put to death this old man and leave out of Babylon and the things of Babylon, we have to walk differently. And I hate to put a whole lot of words in here. Uh, reconciled to God by obedience of our walk of faith. Listen to Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. And that's what I said. I hate quoting a lot of scripture in here. But we need to put this in here that our walk is differently now that we've been regenerated, that he's chosen us, that he's redeemed us. Because see what redemption, with redemption, Realizing who Jesus is, realizing that he's a kinsman redeemer, realizing we have to become as he was. In other words, that the hearts of the fathers and the families has to be turned toward one another in Christ Jesus for the restoration of all things, the obedience of faith, because we once walked in a different way. We we were walking by the name of God, but not in truth and in righteousness. We had all of these attachments, and we didn't truly love God. We were obstinate. We were looking for our own ways. Amen. He says that, it says, And you had he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, But you no longer walk according to the course of this world because this world is passing away. Though all others are walking by the course of this world, we walk in the light now as he's in the light. See, because he's creating us anew. And that's why we have to patiently wait upon the Lord. Now that patiently waiting upon the Lord, it's not standing still It's taking each day as it comes, and we're busy doing something. As Noah was busy building the ark, it took some 120 years in the makings or whatever, but each and every day he was working for God. We must work for God each and every day. 
we grow. Now those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He's going to give us a vitality to be able to run and not be weary. To walk and not faint. To mount up with wings as an eagle. So there's something that's taking place in us that we are not the generators of that. The spirit is the generator of that. And what the spirit does, it guides us and leads us into all truth. That's where that power to become sons of God is, is in walking in obedience and suffering as he suffered in this furnace of affliction. In other words, suffering the consequences of this world in things of this world and what is happening. It says here, and according when in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of, di- of disobedience, that spirit is still working in them. But you remember I told you, he gives us of his spirit to regenerate us and work anew. So there's another law within our members because we're flesh. Yes. We're kernels, but we are being made in the image, in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So we have to put to death that old man. We can't serve that old master. But look at this chapter when he says that these things sometimes, if we don't watch pride, if we don't watch the, how can I say this? If we don't watch self, self has to die because you would think that you're doing these things. And that's what happened with the Pharisees. They became holier than thou. They begin to look down on others that was not as religiously pure as they were. They feel that they had made it and that they was above others. So sometimes the devil gets you through vanity and you not seeing yourself for what you really are, and that is a sinner. That you are a child of God being made in his image. You hadn't wretched that mark yet. That's why God sometimes gives people, as he gave Paul, a thorn in the flesh to buffet him, to keep him thinking, uh, weary of the fact that I hadn't overcome yet. I, I, I don't get the big head. Mm. Sometime when we start achieving things, sometime when we start thinking beyond the pale, there's a problem and, 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 and it hinders our growth in the Lord. That's why I say we need to be humble. We need to humble ourselves. I think that's what you read, Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter in the 14th verse, where it said, if my people which are called by my name, would humble themselves. See, these people are called by Christ's name here. They're called by God's name, but they hadn't humbled themselves to the point of trusting in him and following him in truth and righteousness, standing and fighting the forces of evil. Because when he's having us in the furnace of affliction here, That furnace we have to suffer in. We have to make decisions that are against the norms of society. There's something going on where this young lady was killed 
earlier last week, and they had find, found out that some young men had gotten her intoxicated and they had raped her. And I hadn't watched them. They was talking about holding a press conference and explaining why the establishment was at fault for allowing these underage men to drink and the intoxication. And and I was telling my wife, how can we even begin to, to defend or try to push off or shift blame? Here we have three or four young men that raped a woman and helped cause her death. How can we stir the public to get behind us on our side? How can we do evil and good come from it? So there are others to be blamed. But what about our accountability? You see, you're trying to shift your accountability from what you've done to somebody else because of what you did do. You have to say, no, it's my blame. David couldn't be restored to, he says, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've sinned. He had said, restore the bones that were broken. See, without a conscience, without us reflecting upon self and seeing that we're the problem, it's always going to be somebody else and it's not going to be growth for us because we hadn't come to the fact that we are at fault and that God can't make us anew until we confess our faults. It took a whole year. God had killed the baby. God had, but David didn't have a joy. He didn't have a peace in himself. That's why the world has to be condemned. The world is passing away because the world won't ever come to that point where it sees that it's at fault. That's why he tells his people to come out of Babylon. That's why this morning when I was saying how much I didn't do in rearing my children or when they were young, the Bible causes me to be able to examine myself and evaluate myself. So I don't hold my children at fault. I don't hold these because God's the judge of those things. I can only see God where I fail or where I fell, fall short. And I, I think that's where the restoration is coming, is that he's cutting out of me all of the wickedness, all of these things that I once was. He's giving me a chance to live this anew. See, as we walked not according to formal lust, as he's creating us now to not walk with pointed fingers, we've trusted it all to the Lord and confessing our, this is the restoration of all things. When he's putting things back right, he says, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby the nature of the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace are we saved. So he's made us alive in Christ Jesus, and we start having to make 
restitution. We start praying for others and praying to God and repenting and turning. Job say, I repent in dust and ashes. I'm sorry for what I said or did. And God got him in such a position that Job then prayed for his friends for a restoration of those friends because God would have taken the lives of those friends if Job hadn't prayed for them. So once we start repenting, once that's activated in us, that's the way Noah was saved. Noah was saved by grace. We're all saved by the grace of God. There's no other person, no other way we can be saved. So nobody has it a, a right to boast in that they saved themselves. We needed a redeemer. And the only way we can claim that redeemer is that we died to self is that we start walking that path as he walked. See, we're not only saved by his death, we're not focusing upon that we were saved by the life of Christ, the life that he lived. We have to begin to live that same life, a life of suffering, a life of being misunderstood, but a life of being obedient to God, and that is being led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit will guide us and lead us into all truth so we can't be conformed to this world. And, but those in the church that are being conformed to the world are causing the church to be conformed to the world. That's why the church, the apostate church, that church that have left the uprightness, the upstanding in Christ, and allowed Satan to bring in their carnal desires, their carnal lust that's lacking repentance. The pre- preachers are not preaching repentance today. <coughs> that's the problem. Yes, yes. A lack of repentance. A lack of getting all you need of of fulfilling the lust of the flesh, of having it your way, and that all the earth is here for you, that the world is your oyster, and that you can live the way and have what you your best life now. No, it's, it's not your best life now. It's, it's the struggle now. It's the standing up for that which is right. That's why he says, Blessed are you when men do all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. You see, because when you start walking in the way and living the way you should live, that is not according to the world. The world's not to love you. The world loves its own. So that's why it's bringing the ideology of the church, I mean, of the world into the church, and we're not able to identify that this is Satan. Satan is able to deceive all except the very elect. We need to be looking at things from God's perspective. Yes. yes, Lord. yes. That restoration, when you start to begin to be made whole, mm. when you start to be beginning to be restored, it's a different feeling than a feeling of flesh or carnality because it's a feeling sometimes that it's, not by sight, but it's by faith what makes you really feel good. 
I, I, I feel that in your voice. I feel that uh, in light what you're saying. Uh, it, the, our former sister here that's gone on to be with the Lord, that as she sleep, as she is sleeping and waiting for the Lord to return, to resurrect us all together in our body that won't suffer corruption or whatever. The strength that she had was because of the word of God and because of the teaching that allowed you to see children leaving, wives leaving, mothers and parents leaving, all of the things around us. There's there's one of my neighbors that passed this week that was younger than I am and that was going to do some remodeling for me at the, at my home or whatever. But you start seeing all of these things, but knowing that God's creating things in you. That we are the ones that the salt shouldn't lose its savor in that that strength that's coming to us. Can't you just feel that even though the body, this old tabernacle is falling apart, there's an inner man that gives us greater hopes that that's making you stronger. It's the inner man. It's the spirit. It's that restoration that this old body is passing away, but don't you feel as strong as ever? That, that's what Moses was saying as he was 120 some years old and he was had the, the strength to climb the mountain. He had the strength to see from one mountain into the promised land. See, that's what God's spirit can do. It's working on an unseen objective here. Mm. It's through the lens of faith that he's restoring us. That's why it says the Lord is my shepherd. So as we drink of his spirit, as we drink of the spirit of the Lord, it gives us an inner tenacity to go on that the Prince of Peace gives us. It says, and had raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come that he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward, toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So as this grace is coming, and he's going to restore the years, as Job says, Joel says, he'll restore the years that the locusts have eaten and the canker worm and the can- caterpillar and the palmer worms that he had sent among us. He had sent things in our lives. It caused us destruction. It caused us loss. But just as Job suffered the loss of all of his children, of his property, of his health, God also restores that. That which is lost, God gives back to us. Because if we walk in obedience to him, this is a walk of faith. One day he will give us double. And he says, not only in the life to come, but in this life. So that that's what a lot of us are looking forward to, that in this life, as we see the kingdom of God coming, that we help establish that kingdom. 
That we don't have to die in this world. That there are some that won't taste of death. And that resurrection and that r- reconciliation to life is to be a regeneration in those bodies. Yes, Lord. Yes. Now, we know flesh and blood can, can inherit the kingdom of God. But we know that the kingdom of God is coming here on this earth and that by faith we help establish the laws of God. So in that restoration, we'll see that we live into the hundreds of years old. Just like during the time when the patriarchs lived 600 years, 800 years, what it was, Methuselah lived some 969 years. God is able, and, and that's why I say through the eyes of faith, we will see where physical man, can live by being a spiritual man like the second man, Adam. That we will put on Christ. That's the regeneration. So when he take away all sickness, he's when he sends healing in our bones, when he sends healing, this restoration that's coming to the earth, he's recreating. And that's why he focused our minds on the first creation, but he's able to create all things anew. And that's what creation is looking forward to, the manifestations of the sons of God. Mm. So just think, it's just like those, your physical body is going to be, it's like, it's a regeneration, what it is. It's, you can see any scientific experiments where it says that you're able to grow a new part or grow all these things. Well, it's it's hard to explain this, but that body is going to be an indestructible body. Our lives will be an indestructible lives. We'll put on immortality. That's when we start believing and knowing because it says, now are we the sons of God. So if he's going to restore all things, that restoration has already begun and it's begun in us. We, we, if we could get in that mindset that that restoration has come and he says, I have come, that's the pre-incarnate Christ, to establish and make all things anew, and that is us, the sons of God. That's the whole creation, the restoration of right relationships. Going back, wasn't it a, a good relationship when your children were younger and obeyed you and seeing you as the father and as a leader? Yes. But it, it, just think if it would have been perfect. In other words, if you'd have been obedient to God, if you'd have seen God the way you should have. And that's what we're doing now through his word. We're starting to, starting to view God as we should have, and that's through the lens of being obedient unto him. Obedient unto his word. That's where life comes to. That's where the peace flows. When we walk in obeying his commandments. And those commandments, he's writing up on our hearts now. We have to know this so intricately because others are going to try to talk us out of this. So we, we start turning the hearts of the fathers unto the sons, the sons unto the children. And... 
That's why Elijah was sent to straighten the world out. He's preparing, and that's why we are sent to turn hearts is a fruitful effect. We we have to turn. How can I say this? We have to turn not only our heart but others' heart because they see the compassion, they see the Messiah, they see that light in you. He says, you're the lights of the world that he was taken away. So people has to see this in you. They have to see Christ in your life. And they're going to want to live that life. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto us. So if our life mirrors Christ's life, not any other men or anything on earth, if we can eliminate looking at those things and keep our focus upon Jesus Christ, keep our eyes of faith focused squarely upon him and becoming as he is in his image and his likeness. He says, I'll draw all men unto me. So we see that he's going to multiply men unto us. This, this, this tabernacle that's falling down, the things that are going on, and it seems as though something is getting crossed. But let not your heart be troubled. If we believe in God, believe also in Christ. That, that's where we, our belief has to be in Christ. It's, it's a furnace now. We're in a furnace of affliction. But come out of Babylon. Heavenly Father, as we come before you,